It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, with effective characters, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. <laughs> the I opinions, am. where are you? You were jumping. <laughs> James is in the other room, it sounds like. Uh, the opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, Tanya will be sharing her experience, strength, and hope with us in episode 15 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. All right, it's it's a great day. First of all, how was everybody's holiday yesterday? It was good. Huh? Great. I got a you puppy. You really? Yeah. yeah. What'd no you way. Name him? Spot. Why didn't you name him Dennis? Yeah, that's good. Sounds too much like dentist. Dennis loves oh. when you take him out for a walk. <laughs> I he do. Did, he doesn't always go on command, but sometimes he I, does. I don't get much exercise, so I need someone to do it. He's 11 years old. <laughs> the, what the dog? The or? Puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Dennis is a little older. Uh, well, but it was it was a good holiday though, guys. Yeah, it was. J- jokes aside, um, the holidays are still going though. It's still Hanukkah. So that's true. It's we don't what have to give up night number f- night number five. That's I think where we are. Yeah. That's pretty good. Do you guys celebrate Hanukkah too? Technically, no. 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 But. No Hanukkah. I was gonna say I would like some gifts <laughs> if that was the case, because I celebrate Hanukkah. You know that, right? Not re- not religious wise, but I figure why the heck not. So you can give me some socks. I think day day night five is socks. How many nights of gifts is it? I think it's eight. 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 Yep. Eight crazy nights. Yep. All I can offer you is light. Yeah. <laughs> so December thirtieth, there's going to be a heck of a long line at the return at Target. Everybody's going to be returning their Hanukkah gifts. So get ready for that. It's pretty pretty good. That would be rude. Huh? Like you can't like get can... socks as a gift. And, and then, then go return to your aunt's them? house and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I took your socks back. You'd be like, surprised. She's going to want like, you to take off her shoes and like see the socks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You have to wear them. It's because she, you're, you're fingering she knit them, right? It's possible. Yeah. She probably did. I got yeah. Mickey Mouse socks. Did you? Yeah. From who? My wife. Oh, nice. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. yeah. That seems like a tea gift. They itch. Yeah. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> what did you get her? A salad spinner? Socks. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, let's jump into this, guys. But I do appreciate sharing uh, sharing like the holiday with uh, Christmas being yesterday. Uh, Tanya is somebody that uh, the three of us know because she's a part of our home group. And uh, I think since all of us kind of entered the rooms in celebration, uh, she's been uh, a part of our recovery stories, you know, sharing those those moments. I know Dennis wanted to introduce you a little bit more, Tanya, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, I knew I met Tanya literally. The, I think the first day that I came into the rooms, she was there. I don't know if we talked to each other the first day, but I definitely, like, by the second or third day, I definitely had talked to her. Or she had talked to me. I think she was a greeter, and she like greeted me outside. Um, 
but since then I've seen Tanya go with ups and downs and and grow a lot in sobriety. I remember for a while there we had like an ongoing joke where she would come up with this idea, right? There's such a great, magnificent, in my mind, crazy idea. So like I knew her mind would change a lot. So I would always just say like, well, give it a week. So it was like, I felt like every day she was coming up to me or like our groups and stuff and, and, and telling us her new idea. And I'd say, give it a week. And without fail by that end of that week, that idea would be gone and she'd be on to the next one. But, uh, but it, wow. I mean, it's just fun that we had. But uh, she has actually grown, and her ideas have gotten a little less crazy since then. So uh, I'll let her tell you the rest of her crazy ideas. So here's Tanya. What an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tanya. Thanks, Dennis. That's really cool. Um, I'm Tanya. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Tanya. Hi, Tanya. And it's so nice to be here with you guys. Thanks for inviting me. I am Do you a like part... our Christmas decorations? They're still up. Yep. I love it. They're beautiful. The trees just... She seems like she doesn't love all of them, though. Amazing. No. What's your least favorite decoration that we have here, Christmas-wise? Um, I don't know. That pyramid in the fish tank. Oh, that's of... James' favorite. Yeah. I told you to get rid of the pyramid, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks good. It's like an underwater civilization in the fish tank. Like, it's great. I know. I know. Oh, you guys are awesome. Um, <laughs> you don't like the Santa peanut? <laughs> it's interesting. I made that with my own hands. It's very clear you made that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Sorry. no, no, you guys are good. My sobriety date is October 4th, 2017. Um, so that puts me in my second year of sobriety, which is really exciting. Uh, the second time around. And, you know, I'll start with. Uh, a little bit of my background. I was born and raised in Mexico City um, in, an, in a very loving alcoholic family. <laughs> I know, those two were, were combined. And, you know, growing up, I, I remember feeling like I was put on the wrong family, you know, because they were, they were all so strange. And at the same time, I knew it was me that felt different because everyone seemed to like it. Uh, I was the only one who didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. And that not only happened in my family, it also happened uh, in school, um, everywhere I go, basically, I felt different. And I always had the desire for people to like me, uh, which is why I started creating uh, fantasies and, you know, making up stories that weren't real. So I would tell my friends all these stories about my family and, and just everything that I wanted uh, in it. But unfortunately, those were lies. Like, none of it was real. It was just what I wanted to see and hear and eventually they started noticing that they were lies because um, there was a point I couldn't keep up with them I just um, couldn't keep up with my lies I would forget and 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 it was bad 
And I, I created those same feelings of loneliness. Like, at the bottom of my heart, I believe no one liked me. So I would create these fantasies and tell them about them. And when they found out they were um, unreal, uh, then they wouldn't be around me anymore. And so the prophecy was fulfilled. I, I had very little friends. And I always wanted to be liked by people. So I would, I would do whatever it took so they, they felt like I was good enough. And, and that is something I can, I can really say, it's slowly leaving me, you know, that emptiness and the feeling that I'm never good enough and that I, I don't amount to much. And, you know, even though no one told me that, um, it's something that I believed deep down. Um, when I started drinking at the age of 12, I, I had found a new way of coping with life. Things at home were hard. Uh, my parents divorced when I was nine and my mom left uh, to come to the States. So we stayed with my dad who was at the time really depressed. And even though he did his best so we could, you know, have everything we we needed um, it was it was really hard for us I had I have two younger sisters so I basically had to raise them as best as I could because dad wasn't around he was always working and I remember you know being 10 years old and not knowing like why I had to do grown-up things uh, I never really wanted that responsibility, but at the same time, I cared about my sisters, so I kind of became like their mom, and and that was okay for for the way things were at that time. Uh, I know it was a big part of my story. So when I was able to go out and drink with friends, uh, when I grew up a little more, I I felt great because for the first time I. I had no responsibilities. I had, um, I had people who seemed to like me and accept me. And of course, they didn't know about my situation, but it was the way I would cope with these feelings of uh, dissatisfaction. Um, it, it progressed quickly. I, I can't really say that I ever had one drink, and and stopped. Actually, from the first time that I drank, I blacked out. <laughs> so it was always like that. I would drink until until I couldn't drink anymore. And I started having issues at home because my dad didn't like the way I drank. And even though he's the one that told me it was okay in the beginning, he then started um, punishing me for my behavior. And my dad was big on physical abuse, so every time I did something inappropriate or something that he thought wasn't right, uh, I would I would get hit. And I remember just growing up full of resentments towards him, towards my mom, towards everyone around me. And I always blamed them for my alcoholism, for all of my problems. I grew up being the victim 
and then I started thinking that that was the way life was always gonna be when I finally came to the States and lived with my mom um, I was grateful because I was no longer in a physical abuse situation and but I also had resentments with my mom because she had left us when we were really little and and I had to take care of things that she had to take care of for so long so it took a while before I started um, having a good relationship with her to this day um, it is a little tough sometimes but I've learned to love her the way she is um, and not put expectations on her or my dad anymore and accept my responsibility for things keep my side of the street clean once I came here and started a normal life you could call it I I reached the bottom you know emotionally I no longer wanted to live I had a lot of suicidal thoughts and that was all that was on my mind for a couple years I became part of the church and I was really involved with service and doing the best that I could with what I had at that point but the feelings of depression and sadness were still a big part of every day and and my thinking got really messed up I thought that if I had if I just didn't exist then everything would be okay and once I reached that point and combined with alcohol someone suggested that I, w I go to AA so I did I went to a morning meeting in celebration and and I actually left early because I thought it was so weird I didn't know what to expect and I was afraid of people knowing who I who I really was because I thought they wouldn't like me and I ended up going to another meeting that same day uh, at night and that's where I found my sponsor and other people that seemed to know and seemed really happy I made that decision of staying you know even though I relapsed for six months and couldn't stay a few days uh, without drinking I made the decision that I wanted something different for myself and for my future for my sisters because I was not the best example for them either and I love those girls like they are they are I can say they're the world to me they are the most important people in my life uh, besides um, God and I kinda did it for them because I didn't want them to grow up and be like me I really didn't and once I finally stopped drinking after six months of being around things uh, actually seemed really worse than than when I was drinking because now I had no solution it took me a little over four months to get my fifth step done and to get to that fifth step I had to admit that I was an alcoholic and 
that no matter what I do, my life's unmanageable by me. And I always believed in God growing up or, or, or thought I did because I went to church and my family was Christian, Catholic, and they were big on this religion thing. I always felt afraid of, of God didn't really think he loved me that much and then once I started to to understand that the figure I had grow up with wasn't real that God is truly loving kind and and he has a plan even though life sometimes can be a little hard I just became willing to give it all up or most of it <laughs> um, I started writing down my fourth step and I took four months but I got it done shared it with my sponsor and I definitely got a different perspective and I'm grateful for that because I felt like the victim for a long time and once I realized that most of my problems were of my own making it all made sense. I had 50% of the solution because I was a problem. Yes, there were things that I had no control over that were done to me, but I had to stop looking at those things and start looking at my part on, on the situation. Um, I guess the biggest challenge was accepting what I had done and not only forgiving myself for that but also make some changes that was that was the hardest part I did ask God to remove my defects of character and to this day he has removed some of them I still have others but I guess it's just a process and as as I go through life he will start removing the ones he thinks I am no longer serve him um, but making those amends writing down the list of people that I heard and making the amends was the best part of everything like I for the first time I felt free like I had like this huge weight had come off my shoulders I was I was free again to to write a new story and I didn't want to do it alone, so I invited God into it. And ever since, he, he has shown me ways of getting out of self and start doing things for others. I always share this testimony because I believe God uses it to give hope. Uh, when I was new into sobriety, I... I was not legal in this country. Um, something happened with my visa where things weren't filed properly at the right time. And I felt, I remember feeling so resentful towards my family for not doing things and towards God for putting me in this situation because I wasn't able to drive or work or do anything. And I was always scared. I didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, but my sponsor said to just get out of myself and do something for someone. And at that time, I didn't have much. All I had was my time and 
my energy, I guess. So I started going to this homeless shelter and and helping. I mean, I didn't do much, you know. I wasn't a big part of it. I was just doing the things that were needed. And I used the little skills I have to to benefit someone else and I cannot tell you like how happy I was those days. Every time I went there, I wasn't thinking of me. I wasn't wallowing in self-pity. And that was a big day, you know. Whenever I was able to do that, it was a good day. And the days I didn't, I would wallow in self-pity and do nothing uh, useful with my life. And those days sucked. But I was still sober. So I do I do believe that every day we are sober, it's, it's a good day. It's a great day. Because at least I wasn't trying to replace uh, that emptiness with with a substance. Um, it is also part of my story, making people my higher power. And I mean this in relationships. Because for so long, I had used alcohol to fill the void that only God can fill. And, and when alcohol was no longer there then I turn my attention to other things. And and we talk about this at meetings, you know. Every time I have turned my attention to other things, I always end up miserable or I lose them or both. Like, I, I have to be very careful uh, that I'm not putting anything before this relationship. Otherwise, my life has really no purpose. And... Living in 10, 11, and 12 has proven to be the only way that I can stay sane. Um, I also have a family with mental health issues. So that's, that's something that I deal with as well. Depression, anxiety, um, to a degree, uh, some bipolar <laughs> disorders, and this was medically diagnosed i have done my very best to live with not only my alcoholism but also my mental health situation it is possible it is possible to to have a somewhat normal life if i follow the steps and if i stay around i i really don't know what my life would be without alcoholics anonymous and and the God of my understanding that I found here and I only found this God through desperation being completely broken and knowing that there was no way I could do anything about it I I share with you guys sometimes my grandiose plans and I'm not saying it's wrong to have dreams and, and plans and and want to make them a reality it's just that for me like my biggest goal right now is to to be able to live a simple peaceful life without thinking that i have to be someone great or get something to feel good or have people that tell me i'm good all the time so i can feel okay um i've struggled with my physical appearance for a long time and 
it's slowly going away you know the feeling of not being good enough some days is is really bad anxiety and some days is is a good um feeling of fulfillment and and happiness i wish every day was like that when when i'm feeling good but reality is that some days i feel really bad and that's okay too the only thing that's not okay is is to stop doing what i know works and and i do follow certain principles today i do try to fill my days with meetings prayer in the morning some meditation readings most of all stay in touch with my higher power because uh, 70% of the time i don't know what to do and i really and i really need that power to to guide me otherwise i'm lost the days that i feel lost is because somewhere in my day i i blocked myself off from god's power and his guidance so i constantly have to live on step 10 and and look at what what went wrong not to punish myself or to beat myself down but just to learn and grow from that you know where was i selfish self-seeking dishonest or afraid and i'm afraid most of the day i have to say i deal with a lot of fears but i also know what the solution is and the solution for me is to just keep doing what i do every day um there's no other way that i could live a normal or a happy life if i didn't um i'll end with this i think that when you when you have god and and that's all you have you realize that it's good enough that's all you need um things happen in life situations things out of my control 50% of things i can't control so the only things i can control are what i do and what i say and the way i treat others and those things that get me out of self and i know it's a miracle because the only thing i would think of when i was drinking was myself even in sobriety i was thinking was myself for a long time so i know that every time i'm not and every time i'm reaching out to someone or doing something out of me it's a miracle it keeps getting better one day at a time um not perfect but like someone says it is what it is like where am i right now and looking at where i was 10 10 or 5 years ago like that is a miracle for me and even the people around me started getting better and i'm i'm pretty sure they're just the same as they were before i came into the rooms it's probably that my perception of them changed and now it seems like they're getting better but the truth is i'm getting better so it's it's a funny thing it's a funny experience i am grateful for you guys and i don't know what my life would look like without the fellowship and that's all i have
Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Um, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. All right, take 60 seconds, and to somebody that's listening right now that hasn't gone to their first meeting, knows that they might have a problem, whether it's they feel it on the inside or everybody around them is telling them that, um, what would you say to them that have never been to a meeting? What nugget would you pass along to them? They're probably scared. A lot of us, if you choose on your own mm -hmm. to actually come in and the courts don't make you, there's yep. probably some fear to that. So what would you say to them? Yep. Well, what I would say to them is that feelings are not facts. Um, for a long time, I, I let my feelings run every decision I made. But at some point, I realized that I had to do what I knew was right, even though I didn't feel like doing it. So a huge part of getting over the the bridge for me and getting into that first meeting was forgetting about how I felt, how miserable and, you know, my thoughts towards AA and, and all my judgments and just doing it anyway, you know. Um, the feelings will follow and if I just do the next right thing right now where I am, the feelings will come later. So that's that's what I would say to someone who's new to awesome. the rooms. Yeah, and if you're like, how do I know what the right thing is? There's suggestions in the rooms that we've all taken that uh, have led us here. I want to take a minute to identify. This is this is our favorite part because we actually get to uh, get thank to talk. you. Yeah, we get to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we get to talk. Uh, Mike, grateful alcoholic. Uh, I got from you, Tanya, when uh, you were talking about first. Um, you know the the early stages of making up those lies and it's funny because if you you go go to bars there's a lot of crazy stories that happen and a lot of them are lies and it's the same thing of even though you might be older than you were when you officially originally told those lies there's people you know in their 40s and 50s in bars telling lies like that and we learn in the program that, that it's a program of honesty, which is important because I did the same thing. You talked about not liking, you know, your your appearance. Um, uh, I feel felt the exact same way. I got my first year of sobriety, and when I was thanking everybody in the rooms, um, I shared that towards the last two years of my drinking, I couldn't even look in a mirror. I maybe looked in a mirror twice or three times. Even brushing my teeth, I would look away because I couldn't stand myself. And uh, I shared picking up a year of sobriety that I can look in a mirror again, you know? But it's an everyday thing where I actually have to, you know, work it. Mm -hmm. You know, my sponsor tells me that wake up every morning and look yourself in the mirror and love yourself unconditionally you know because uh you know god made me and god doesn't make crap and it's it's very important and i have to continuously tell myself that because um if anyone says oh yeah your hair looks really good today i don't believe them you know unless i take god with me and and he makes it easier well, so. to be fair, they're usually lying. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, Dennis. But uh, in all seriousness, I think uh, 
you were talking about uh, taking God with you and it being a different God than you had originally in religion. And uh, I find so much value in that. I was speaking with a friend yesterday that knows that I'm in AA but doesn't know a heck of a lot about it outside of what he can research on the internet. And I said, well, I have uh, spirituality because he had a Christmas party a couple days ago and uh, invited me to it. And everyone was taking shots at the party. And he said, what did you, how did you feel at that point? And I said, today, it was just, it was just uh, liquid going down somebody's throat. That's all it was. It wasn't a resentment in a glass, which it used to be for me. So I didn't have to, uh, didn't have to have that. But he's like, man, when did that change? And I said, well, I mean, today it's changed. I said, even in sobriety, there were days early on where I still couldn't stand that. And I said, I probably would have written you off. You know, and now we can go anywhere because I know that I have my God with me that's going to protect me. And the alcohol is not going to harm me. It's what happens because of the alcohol that actually gets me into trouble. So, but thank you for reminding me, uh, you know, that spiritual connection being so important. Now, thanks, Dennis. Thank you. Mike. Awesome. And I just want to thank you, Tanya, for coming and being here with us today. I appreciate it. <coughs> um, I don't know. I could relate to a lot of things um, about your life or your story. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, like the especially like early on, not feeling like you belong anywhere or fit in or whatever. You know, not being happy with your life and stuff, and having to imagine a much bigger, grander life and stuff. Um, also, I was born in Mexico. No, I'm just kidding. You I wasn't. Not. It's a podcast. We, we yeah. <laughs> they don't know. Like, um, but uh, what you what you touched on at the very end, actually, when you were sharing for a newcomer, when you said uh, feelings aren't facts or whatever, and I can kind of re- I can relate to that in a sense is that like it's not that like feelings aren't real. They are feelings. You feel them. They're, you know, they're validated and it is what you feel. But I remember early on, before I came into the rooms and stuff, like the way I felt about something, that was to me the objective truth. You know what I'm saying? That's the only thing that I knew. I couldn't see anything from other perspectives. And, you know, I have like an analogy that I like that imagine if you're standing on a subway in like, um, New York or something or Chicago or somewhere and the subway train keeps speeding by like a hundred miles an hour one after another and before I would like just grab onto them and take them wherever they go you know if they were going down to the depths of hell I would follow it there it didn't matter I didn't discriminate I would just sit there and follow every feeling wherever it goes at a hundred miles an hour where now I've kind of learned that I don't have to jump on a of every one of those trains that pass you know it's like you know it's it's no longer about necessarily how i feel in a certain situation or what happens to me it's about how i react to them you know and i and to be able to see what's going on around me in a different perspective to where i like okay i feel sad i feel hurt that doesn't mean i have to go grab a drink or a drug or lash out at someone or yell at someone it's like i can uh, 
see like that train that's passing by that's that's anger that's sadness that's inferiority or whatever and i don't have to ride that train i can just let it pass without reacting in a crazy uh outlandish way like i used to you know um yeah so i mean i think that's all i got i'll give james some time to speak but thank you very much for coming and i appreciate it thank you thank you dennis james Hello, I'm James. Hi, James. Hi, James. Tanya, thank you so much for coming in and telling us your experience, strength, and hope. I remember the first time I met you, I was about two and a half years ago. I met you in the church parking lot of the meeting, and you were with uh, JoJo, mm-hmm. and you, were, you just had this big smile, and you're like, hi. You knew I was new, and you gave me a hug, and um, you met me and my wife at the same time, and you were just so welcoming and warm, and you know, that was my first impression of you. So, like, I instantly, like, oh, I like her. She's so nice. And, um, you know, it's, it hasn't changed since then. Uh, I must say, I love all your extravagant ideas. I always have. And if you, I'm glad you didn't ask me what, what I thought, because I would be like, yeah, do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm just, you know, very supportive of all my friends. However big and extravagant the dreams are. And, um... I, I could definitely identify with uh, when you were talking about God and uh, punishing God. Growing up, I grew up in the Church of Christ, and it was just a very, I don't know, I, was, I always felt timid and like, don't talk in church and don't goof off because, you know, this is not the pr- place to, to do it. And I was like, oh, and don't behave. I mean, don't, don't behave. <laughs> Never don't, behave. Don't mess up. You know, otherwise you'll get a spanking, you know. So I was just, it was fear. My God, you know, when I was, I didn't really have a God when I was small. Because I just, I didn't like being afraid. So eventually, you know, I just walked away from that. Uh, But then I, I found out later on that my God is actually a very loving God. And, and you know, you have the same God as me. And, uh, our God is just amazing. And we're forgiven. And as we grow closer and closer to God, you know, we, we realize that, um, you know, we don't have to go back to our old ways. I liked how you were talking about how you have a low tolerance for the darkness and, and just negativity. I'm the same way. Whenever I'm, when I'm doing something or starting to walk, uh, you know, a darker path, it hurts. It hurts inside. And I'm just like, ugh. You know, before... I would mask that with drugs and alcohol and, you know, I was able to do stuff that I normally wouldn't do. But now, you know, I've, now that I'm sober, it definitely is. It feels so much better to be in the light. And last I'll say I love um, the do the next right thing and uh, service. It's, it's truly, truly about loving the, our fellow man and doing what we can to get out of ourselves, you know, even when you don't want to. That's truly the time to do it because there's a lot of times that I don't want to do things but I know in my heart I should do it and I don't always do it but I I push myself to do it so thanks again it's an amazing story of strength and hope thank you Tanya Uh, that brings us to the end of this podcast Uh, we are going to be back next Thursday sharing our experience strength and hope with you on episode 16 the defective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, 
It's one day at a time, sometimes one minute at a time. We'll see you next time. Socks. Bye. Bye.